0: So I want to start off this episode with something a little different. I have to tell you guys the story. Um, I recently met with the mentors who are helping me with my new program, Mothers Evolve. And we have these brainstorming sessions every couple of weeks as we launch this brand new program. And in the last time we met, we were all sitting around the the Zoom and It was the first time the five of them had come together and really met each other. So they were going through their stories and talking about their passions and what they bring to the table as these amazing mothers of neurodivergent children who have a message to share with the world. Um, And I'm so lucky and thankful that they're going to, to do that through this program. And so they're sitting around and we're having this conversation and we were recording just in case I needed to go back and get some notes later. But I realized that as they were sharing a little bit about themselves and what they believe with the group, that it would make the perfect soundbite to explain to you who they are. So I have pulled out a short little uh, audio clip of each of them that was not planned and completely spontaneous. And I'm going to share that with you because it gives you a really nice picture of who these women are and how they can help us as we go forward with Mothers Evolve. So first up is Kim Heilig. And gosh, does she just calm me down.
1: And I learned so much from their stories. And the overarching heartbreak that I heard was um, that they had been weaponized against themselves, Mm -hmm. even in trying to find help for their child. Um, So I love to, on behalf of just my field, apologize um, for how they have been missed, Mm -hmm. and I really believe that it is not the mother's flaws, but that their joy, their strengths, their um, inner life is the best gift to their family, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't have anything to do with the outcome of their children. And so I'm really passionate about helping them find rhythms of quiet and slowing their lives down enough to hear their own voices again. Um, And yeah, just, I think stepping past the guilt um, into a different kind of space would be what I hope for their time.
0: Every time I hear Kim talk, my, Blood pressure
2: drops. <laughs> yeah. 100%. It's a gift, Kim. Oh my gosh.
0: It's so good. It's so relatable. Amazing, right? Kim Heilig is going to be the first mentor um, for the Mothers Evolve program. That very first month, we're talking about those themes of slowing down and quieting our brains, which are on overload all of the time, finding that safety and grounding ourselves. And Kim is going to help us do that. Now, the second month of Mothers Evolve, we're getting some serious help from the amazing Megan Pizarro. Now, she, gosh, she talks so much about understanding our own energies and our wiring, why we are the way we are. What awareness of ourselves, of our children, do we bring to this parenting game? And most of all, she talks a lot about grief. Now, she has seen her fair share She also talks about how we as moms of neurodivergent kids, we go through a grieving process because this isn't what we thought our lives were going to be like. We never, never could have imagined it would be like this. And there is grief in that and that's okay. So Megan's going to help us understand that, wrap our brains around that and then move forward.
3: If you don't understand
2: why your child is the way that they are and why you are the way that you are, then it is so much harder. So my background in grief, my First husband passed away. He's the dad of my child who's neurodiverse. Um, He passed away a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a baby girl who passed away. So that background in grief helped me to understand a, a few years ago that what I was experiencing, my feelings toward my son who's neurodiverse, was grief and how I had to process all of that in a way that was very similar to the way that I grieved my family members who had actually passed away. And so learning to grieve these experiences that we thought we were going to have as moms, you're doing the same thing.
0: For our third month of Mothers Evolve, we are tackling the themes of trauma and finding the truth about who we are through working on our nervous system. So I don't know about you, but my (laughs) triggers are screaming loud, loud noise Um, trying to hurt other siblings, aggression, right, disrespect. And it's been really an amazing and interesting process to figure out why I am the way that I am. And how could I look at myself in a new way to help me understand my child and then react to him in a different way than I have been doing. Avril Brown is going to help us get there. She, gosh, when she was on my podcast, um, we had the most amazing conversation, and I felt so seen and heard by her. She gets me. She gets it. Take a listen to what she has to say about herself and Mothers Evolve.
2: like I'd seen low-functioning anxiety and depression, so I never thought I had anxieties. Mm-hmm. I had no anxiety. And then I said to my husband about four years ago, Hey, I think I have always had a level of anxiety. And he was like, no shit, Sherlock. And I'm like, (laughs) why "Why didn't you tell me? Because it never looked like, you know, it was always high functioning. So it was not like I had seen anxiety before. Um, But of course, my son has anxiety. So it was it was when I was able to see it through him, gosh. Uh, yeah, what a mirror these kids are for us. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's
2: so confronting. And it was him. Honestly, I have my son to, yeah, to sort of really honor for saving my life because he forced me to do the healing for myself that I would never Mm -hmm. have done if it hadn't been for him.
0: So after that third month, you know, we have really done some deep work on ourselves. And in the fourth month, Aaron Yeshin is going to help us turn that corner up up the other side of the mountain, um, her jam is perspective. She is so good at helping people take situations that they're struggling in and reframe them in a positive way. Now, she is a wonderful example of having lived this in her, her life. Um, and I have two episodes with her on my podcast as well that I highly recommend you you take a listen to if you've not already heard them because she's an inspiration. The way that she shows up for her child, for her family, for herself is downright inspiring. Take a listen.
2: Just helping people go from, you know, chronic there, which I had been just essentially conditioned to do, into a reframer and a real-time mm-hmm. reframer. Like you have, it's a muscle and you have to be able to exercise it in real time. You know, we as mothers, I, I was having this conversation with Megan, I hope you don't mind me divulging, but- You know, thinking, you know, I thought I was a positive person, but I guess I'm just Mm -hmm. really not. It's like, no, you really are a positive person. You have been conditioned and you are stuck in a self survival mode that Mm -hmm. is making your mind slog through this stuff. And, you know, when you think about how much control our thoughts and our internal monologue, especially towards ourselves, holds our life Mm -hmm. hostage, you know, if you can. Have trauma dictate your life. Well, then healing can dictate your life too. And mm-hmm. and there's a better way to say that. But um, I, it, it literally, and I mean this in the most accurate way possible, it saved my life. Changing my mindset saved my life. I was literally dying from stress.
0: We finish off in month five with the amazing powerhouse of a human, Tiffany Kane. Now, Tiffany is all about possibilities, opportunities. Now that we've kind of come up the other side of the mountain and we're starting to feel so much better about who we are as mothers of neurodivergent kids, what can we do with that? How can we, first of all, empower ourselves, but then maybe empower other women too? This is where we're finding our strength. We're finding that inner peace. And we're realizing not only are we good moms, we're amazing moms and amazing women. What can we do with that? How can we show up as our best selves every day with no pressure, no judgment on ourselves, just trusting that we are the exact mother that our child needs. And that is enough. So Tiffany's going to help us get there. And here's what she has to say.
3: There are so many gifts, like we have so many gifts. And my thing is, as women, we have been told for so long to hide them, to be quiet about them, to not shout them out, to not celebrate our gifts, to not celebrate our successes, be quiet. You know, you don't want to, you know, be too loud. You don't want to. And I'm like, let's shout it out because when other women hear our success and they're like, oh, I could do that too. And it's like, yes yes, you can. Like we should all take up our space and be seen and heard. And that's how we're going to make a difference. Like we don't need to be quiet anymore. That's my big thing. Like I was told to be quiet my entire life. I, I left a cult. I was in abusive marriage, public education. You cannot be anything other than this perfect teacher image. And I'm like, no, like, no, I'm going to be seen and heard and and I have things to say.
0: So that's a little bit about each of these amazing mentors. And like I said, this was not prepared or planned. I just took these clips from a recent brainstorming session we all had. And as I was going through that conversation and listening to it again, there was a point where Erin talked about the program in such a, a well-explained way. She just kind of summed it all up. And I thought that I would share that last clip with you as well. This is what Mothers Evolve is going to be. This is it right here. Take a listen.
2: Deep down, there's not anything that any of us are talking about that we didn't already intrinsically know deep down. We were just too afraid to admit. We were too scared. We were too worried. We were too conditioned. We were Mm -hmm. too stuck in survival mode. We were too um, not living authentically Mm -hmm. enough to really honor what deep down we all know what it is that we need. And that's to put our oxygen on, mask on first. But when you, when you don't feel like you can, when you've never seen that modeled, when you know, you have no idea where to start, that's why you need this program. That's why we're so happy to be here. That's why the synergy that is happening between this group of six powerful women is so palpable for all of us. I mean, every, I'm with Megan, every time I get off of one of these calls, I am lifted every step that I take for days because it's just so impactful. And it reminds me, not only am I surrounded by incredible strength, but all that is, is a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded of just how powerful and strong I am. And so it's yes. this awakening that we can Absolutely. offer all of these mothers like we're not teaching you to be anybody other than who you really are
0: i hope that you found all of this helpful and valuable and you're starting to really get to know these mentors they are going to have uh, an integral part of this program especially at the beginning of each month as we kick off the theme um, and get started with working on ourselves in this way if you are ready to sign up and join us for the October pilot, remember this program launches in January of 2023, but I'm doing a, a little appetizer, if you will, of the program in October and I'm looking for mothers who are willing to pilot it and give it a whirl, give me their feedback, let me know what they think of it so that I can perfect it for the January launch. If you are ready to join us for the October pilot, head on over to ontheharddays.com forward slash pilot to sign up and join us. I will put you on a separate email list just for those who are joining and we will get going right at the beginning of October where you will see these amazing mentors and myself live, have the chance to ask questions, and we will kick this off. I am so excited. So once again, you can go to ontheharddays.com forward slash pilot or reach out to me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word. And I'm happy to chat with you personally and, and go from there. All right, my friends, on to the episode. Thanks so much for listening. So I have the amazing and wonderful Kim Heilig back. And she is this the first time I've done uh, brought someone on twice. I think I think it might oh, be. Wow. Um, so <laughs> of course it needs to be you because you're one of my favorite people. Um, and that episode with you was long ago. So I would love to hear about what you've been up to since we last talked, um, but okay. why don't you first take a quick minute to just sort of recap things for those who have forgotten? Yes. Okay. So
1: I am a mom to three kiddos. My oldest is neuroatypical um, or twice exceptional. And I have a middle child who's suspected the same, but looks very different. And then, um, a youngest little girl who's three. So I have ages going into fourth grade, going into first grade and a three-year-old. Going go into second. Oh my goodness, I can't keep up straight. I,
0: I hear that. Well, <laughs> well, that's partly, maybe you're forgetting, partly because of this massive education journey that you've been on. Yep, yes, uh, we have sure
1: been on one. Um, we, just to give you a little bit of background about me, I am not a kid person. So I just want to preface that by saying <laughs> um, I am not some super mom. I was terrified to be a mom. I wanted it, but I, it wasn't like a natural, my life dream is coming true. Um, and I love public school. My husband worked in the public schools. So it's, I was a product of public schools. So, you know, I was terrified to be a mom and the whole time I was like, oh, they're gonna when they get to school though. I'm going to go meet my friends for breakfast and I'm going to have time. And I'm just putting in my time as best as I can and as intentionally as I can. And then they're going to be in school. Famous last words. (laughs) Um, We put my oldest. Well, let me back up a minute and say the homeschooling community. I discovered online during my oldest preschool years because we started having, um, the differences arise in, in preschool. I had a teacher call me in and meet with me and, um, say that she was concerned about him. And, um, I kind of looked to the homeschooling world because I didn't know how to parent. It it taught me how to be a mom in so many ways. There's people out there doing a beautiful job in their giftedness of, being intentional with their kids in the homeschooling world. So while I did not want to be a homeschooler and was not, um, I learned a lot from how they mothered. Um, So I ended up pulling him for his pre-K year out of preschool. And I did a co-op one day a week for pre-K. And then I put him at the advice of many experts into public school for kindergarten and first grade and I, I, it was not my gut move but again, it was what I always thought would happen and they were very hard years for us um, in ways that will feel familiar I think to many moms. Uh, we had massive meltdowns after school. I raised concerns to his teachers and they did not see any concerns at school um, and so the wounding of my own intuition of like, this continues to be my fault. This is something that I have to solve. But in the back of my head, I will tell you, I kept going to the homeschooling community. It was actually through a, a blogger and podcaster raising poppies. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. You who know her. I first read the words twice exceptional. And I was like, what is that? Now, I just want to give some further background. I'm a therapist by training. I had my own private practice, full pay, no insurance. I mean, amazing, doing great, love my job, um, and I never heard of twice exceptional and didn't want to give it up. So that's just a bit a bit of the wrestling that happened. And when the pandemic hit though, um, and, and my kids were, let out of school, or, or my oldest was let out of school. He, um, I could see that it wasn't in my head. I mean, I knew by that point, but to see the massive difference of his attitude toward me about doing school at home versus what the teacher saw, it left zero doubt in my mind that um, I something was wrong. And I had gone to the school and said, "He, I think he has learning disabilities." And they were like, "No, didn't even qualify for screening." Um, but when the pandemic hit, I, he resisted so hard, even sitting with his class online or anything. And I was like, well, I'm not going to live that way. I mean, this is miserable for all of us. And so I paid for the private evaluation and, um, I pulled him to homeschool for second grade, which was the year following the pandemic. Um, So yeah, that's, and I've been at it now. We just are wrapping up third grade. So it's my second year um, fully homeschooling. And I shut down my private practice just a few months ago, um, which was hard. I mean, all of these decisions were hard, but there were good and deep reasons for them.
0: That's really hard because I know how amazing you are and were at that job and how Mm -hmm. much it filled your cup. Um, and it came so naturally to you. Mm -hmm. I, the the first time I talked to you, which must've been, gosh, it was, it must've been a while ago because yeah, I feel like you were actually sitting in your office when I, yeah, I probably was. Yeah. And I felt like (laughs) I was coming home, just listening to your Mm -hmm. words for me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to sign up with you and, and, Move, get on a plane right then and Mm -hmm. there. And so for you to have to shut that down, I guess that also Mm -hmm. speaks to the fact that sometimes the decisions we have to make for our children, you know, there's not always a clear answer. And yet I still wake up sometimes and think, all right, well, maybe today will be the day that I get that clear answer. I just need Uh to wait a little longer. It'll come. Maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes there never is a clear answer. No, you have to just do it. Just have to do it.
1: Yep, that's kind of where I got. I had a dear friend who is raising neuroatypical kids who's further down the line, further in the journey than I am, older kids. And she said to me in the midst of this, I mean, I was just wrestling and having a hard time settling on what path to take. And she said, Kim, we don't get to pick um, wins, <laughs> we pick which cost we want in our school choices. Like, do I want to cost does this option? this costing our family, do I want to pick that cost? Or do I want to pick the other school option? And that brings a different set of costs. And that sounds depressing, but it was actually really freeing for me because I think I was still in the mindset of, I want a choice to fix it all. And you know what, that's just not our story. And that has some beautiful parts to it. um, But it's not our story. I don't pick um, normal sacrifices. I have real costs to what
0: we pick. Mm -hmm. And so based on that choice, what have you found? What conclusions can you draw from what you've decided
2: to do?
1: Well, this isn't going to be a a surprise to you because it's going to be a bit of a non-answer if you know me, but I, the school choice wrestling was actually a very healing process for me about my gut. And my intuition, which you know, in my work with moms of neuroatypical kids, uh, I am so passionate about them hearing their souls or their self um, in these decisions. And we have all taken beatings about what our intuition is telling us as mothers, as women, you name it, and the school choice one is loaded for all of us, I think. So I I do want to say that when I talk about why we chose homeschool, I do not mean it as a prescription for any other mother listening to this podcast. It is deeply personal. Um, I am not someone who thinks public school is all awesome and homeschool is all awesome. I see very real gifts and costs to each of those choices. Um, So this is not someone pushing a ideology about education. Um, I just wanna make that clear because there is no one size fits all. Um, And my choice may not be better for anyone. It could be worse for other listeners. So that's important to me that it not feel like um, a place of failure or a place of, well, I can't, so I'm not doing the right thing for my child. I, d- I don't think that's true. Um, so I did want to preface yeah. with that. But we came to homeschool uh, through a lot of, of going back for my voice and listening to what I I, I believed at the beginning and and let go of that voice.
0: You make that face, and I know exactly what you're saying. And I think so many moms do that. Voice takes a beating after a while, and you do lose it. No matter what the decision is, whether it's education based or medica- medication based or, or therapies or uh, literally anything, but we lose it because. We think we know again that right decision, as if there is an answer, and you just have okay. to search or, or research enough to deep di- di- dig deep. There it is, mm-hmm. and find the answer, but there's okay. no answer, there is, it's just okay. nothing. And yeah. how, that voice, how do you find your voice when it's been missing for a while? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, I have
1: a big believer that it comes back around for you it niggles do you know what I'm saying um it's such an essential part of you that it can't ever fully be silent even if you feel depressed I would say that is a way of your voice wanting to say something to you those symptoms mean something good for you um if we can slow down and listen to them but we are you know we like to fight things that are hard we like to push off things that are hard. We don't like to listen to things that are hard. Um, But it it does come back around for you. And it it never sat well with me, not ever. Um, I back, even when I put him in kindergarten, I, I didn't want to, but I was scared. I mean, I literally had three different experts who had been working with my son say quote and unquote, one of them that is the worst possible thing you could ever do for your child, end quote. And um, you don't forget those words. I still still hear them. I mean, I still hear them. But the pandemic was a dark gift in a way for us because it gave me the chance to, to try it. I knew I didn't want to do online schooling. It would be a terrible fit for my child. And when I knew that there were learning disabilities at play and that I was never gonna qualify for services or help in our public school, which is a very real reality for us in the South, we're behind. So um, even with the diagnoses, um, I have heard from enough mothers that it's a dead end road to get what we would need. And so um, that, those were very real factors that were helpful, but they weren't my why for homeschooling. My why, was about wholeness for him and for us as a family, which is just my personal passion, I'm a therapist. So people getting to be whole in themselves is so important to me. And that's not gonna be true of other people, but what is your why um, for your family, I think is really important. And for us, when my son came home, our whole house was on fire. He was melting all the time and you know in the red zone so that no parenting no amount of entering in like those margins just didn't exist enough for me to feel comfortable with it as as the mom and and then I was watching him split right so he's going off school being so angelic and then coming home and being this totally other person and I don't know if this is the right thing or not, but for me, I was like, I don't want that for him. I don't want that for our family. I want more wholeness there, even if it means that we're wading into the hard and we have. This has not been a cure all. um, Then I would rather heal as a family than split. And for me, that was a
0: big why. Wow. I love listening to you talk. (laughs) I always have. I just feel so moved by your words wading into the hard was one of them one of your phrases so my kid same masking Mm -hmm. at school um kindergarten was just a nightmare just a nightmare let's Um, not relive that no let's not (laughs) no No. No. I mean it was more screaming than than not um Mm -hmm. for the poor kid and anyway here he is still in public school. So I've got my mm-hmm. own questions and and
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's all about that inner work for me as the mom, that wholeness piece. So you didn't want that for him, which I completely respect the, the having to mask all day and then the release, yes. And so yes. now having him home, I mean, obviously there's been a, a, some time has passed, but even still, maybe when you first started homeschooling. Mm -hmm. How did you help him and yourself and your whole family through that healing process Mm -hmm. to get to that average middle, I guess, not the masking, not the constant explosions, but that middle ground. How did you find that? Well, you know, when you
1: start therapy, a good therapist will always tell you on the first session, it gets worse before it gets better. it got worse before it got better and you've got to know that every voice of doubt of accusation came at me too what am I doing this is a disaster I can't believe I thought this was the right thing I mean loud because it did not go well at the beginning um I just like we feel in public school where you're like oh those moms you know they just get to drop them up and pick them up and like what is that like I can't even relate I feel the same in the homeschool community to a degree of wow look at their peaceful slow <laughs> days you know that feeling doesn't go away that's just part of being a neuroatypical mom of, of that kind of kid um so you know, I had to wrestle with those voices that that screamed a lot of days. And if, if I were having this conversation, gosh, five months ago, I wouldn't be having it because I still felt like this must be a failure. But I watched magic happen a bit. Um, we unschooled pretty, pretty hardcore for honestly two years and I was terrified to do it, so that was not easy. Um, He is gifted, so his interests never stop, and you put the books on the shelf, and he's inhaling, so it's not like learning wasn't happening, but um, we did do tutoring. I paid for Orton-Gillingham tutoring and um, that kind of thing, but otherwise, um, we healed. When I say we healed, I mean we, we healed from what school hurt for us. So we just, I've been waiting for some signs from him because everyone says like, he'll get there, you know, and trust it. And it's been hard for me to trust. I've, I've felt so much like a client feels of you've got to trust this process, even when it's where it has been the same. And I've watched, um, I've watched him heal his confidence in himself has healed so much meltdowns still occur but nothing like where we were before um but it's been slow it's been really slow slower than I imagined starting out in all honesty a
0: two-year healing process yikes but aren't all good things, slow? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had told myself
1: well, at the beginning I just, <laughs> to be patient, I to relax say. into it.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine you any other way but relaxed and patient. Oh, I- <laughs>
1: my. Oh, you could have seen some tears. Oh. I mean... Part of his giftedness is like an emotional gift in this. So, I mean, he would read me like the book. I can tell, I can tell that you're upset right now. I'm a failure student. I'm a worse student. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. But yes, I'm upset right now. You know, it's not been, um, it's not, I have. it has been hard. It has been hard.
0: So you see that he's starting to heal. What does that, and, and some confidence growing. What does that look like? in a homeschooling environment? What does that healing look like? Well, he's
1: writing, which he has um, dysgraphia, which is a, a handwriting learning disability. It has multiple learning disabilities. That was a big one. And he wouldn't write a sentence in two, I mean, most of the majority of two years, he didn't write a single sentence. And to even ask for a letter, there were tears. Now at school, he would have knuckled down and done the dang work. You know what I'm saying? So again, that voice of like, Kim, what are you doing? Um, Was loud, but, you know, shout out to your out-school class because my son was able to do the Minecraft one and in two times you had him writing the first sentence I had seen in the majority of two years. So, and then when it came to his interests, he started writing just of his own. I mean, I'm not asking. And the trickle down into that happened across other subjects. And we hired the right specialist. You know, we found some outside help. This is, I'm not a lone ranger. Um, And that was really helpful. Mm. And then he just... I, the best way I know how to describe it is it feels like he's taken a deep breath His nervous system, all of the things have taken a deep breath.
0: Wow. So that's just such a great example for him that he started to write when he was ready, Ready. feeling ready ready because he felt healed enough to be able to take that chance and that risk at doing that very hard thing and when he started to do that it trickled down into other subjects and that just shows what i think the the importance of a strengths-based education system Mm -hmm. which we don't have no um we do not we do not we're targeting as a public school teacher we are targeting what is wrong but imagine and writing is such a, um, a common one, especially for kids his age, which are my students' age. Um, so, so common. Um, they typically have dug their heels in over the past few years and they know I don't write, I can't write, I'm overwhelmed, I feel anxious, nope, not doing it. Um, and what if what if we came at it from such a different angle where uh, the kid who loves art just starts to add speech bubbles and now they're writing and the kid who loves History is, uh, or, or acting starts writing a play by accident. And you it's just, there's so many ways to go about building the confidence. And, and in your son's case, what a perfect example mm-hmm. of how confidence leads to achievement, really. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. It's not the achievement first and you feel confident about it, but just believing in yourself as being a capable human that you can do hard things leading to that discovery. Oh, I am a writer after all. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to look mm-hmm. pretty and I might struggle and it might take me a while, but the ideas are there. I can do this. I can write. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. The amount of children in school that I see mm-hmm. who have not healed, who need healing mm-hmm. around various subjects or, or many different things is astounding. And mm-hmm we wonder why kids are not able to uh, meet this, this unrealistically high expectation of achievement. And I don't, I'm not saying we should lower the standards. Not at all. We just need to have different standards Um, rise quite high. It's just, it needs to look different, but no wonder why, because they're all coming with a background of whatever it is um, low confidence and, and Mm -hmm. struggle and trauma around that Mm -hmm. topic. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. eye opening, and you found that right in in your own home. Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh, I mean, at the beginning of
1: our homeschool journey, to even say, "Hey, let's sit here and do this together," was an absolute level ten um, meltdown, anxiety—you name it—till we can now do, you know, two hours of work with movement breaks in there. Um, and and to get to look at him and say like you did an incredible job, and him actually hear it because his nervous system has had time to regulate itself um, has been such a gift to my soul as a mom. But it's again it's not a perfect journey. I mean we had tears yesterday, so it's not like um, their nervous systems are always completely green after healing. No, they always will go to red quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. that's part of it, but it's been, it's been sweet to see the overall Mm -hmm. healing that's happened.
0: And I wonder too, he did my little writing out school class, but it was only a few sessions. He didn't know me. I'm a teacher still. So he was probably masking. Um, yes, he was doing what I asked, but you know it's it's still that unfamiliar situation um you know clearly i'm the authority quote unquote in that situation and not mom or dad and therefore he's got to do what i ask him to do um mm-hmm. and i guess that's exactly what school is meant has been created to be is compliance Right. Even if you're uncomfortable, even if it doesn't feel right or you're struggling, it doesn't matter. You can always raise your hand and ask for help, but you still got to buckle down and do the work, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, I really I struggle with this clearly in my Mm -hmm. own head, not only as a teacher for my own students, but also for my own child. And just like you, I mean, you made your decision one way. And at this point, we've made our decision the other way but I can't tell you how many times I think about going that other way and Mm -hmm. what that could look like for all of us. I imagine we would get, come home. I hear a lot of moms say this too. Well, we tried homeschooling,
3: but he Mm -hmm. wouldn't listen
0: to me because he's (laughs) strong-willed, highly sensitive, a lot of anxiety, ADHD, gifted. And moms will say, I can't get him to comply because I'm not the teacher." because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just mom. So I can't right. get them to view education differently. So what would you say to that where parents are saying, I think I would like to homeschool, but I don't know how to establish mm-hmm. a, an environment of a homeschool in my home. Yeah. Yes. I, I would say go
1: slow. Um, and I would be careful about idealizing your choice. Um, it's easy to idealize the road that we're not taking. It's easy for me still to idealize public school. You know, I could say the exact same things you just said, but on the flip side of gosh, he's not learning how to buckle down and do what needs to be done. And that is a life skill he needs, right? I've worried the same worries on the flip side. So it, there is no ideal choice. The work is always going to be there, Um, And that's where I would say your why matters, which for me, my why was for us as a family being whole. And I felt that homeschool could give us more flexibility toward that goal and that, and my heart in that. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yes, yes, it does. Um, I wonder those first few months of homeschooling. What did he think? What did he want?
1: He did not want to go to school. He, um, uh, the mask came off and, and all of these things came out about what was hard and, and what, what made him feel less than, or what he, not made him feel, he believed <laughs> that less than because of all of these things, even though, I mean, in public school, not a problem, you know, not, not behind nothing, but to him. Um, and so it, it, it gave me the opportunity as his mom in moments, drops in the bucket of um, speaking life, over those things and leaning into his strengths so that he could feel strengths and those two things were really helpful so it would have been really hard I think if he had been wanting to go back to school but we didn't we didn't have that
0: struggle Mm -hmm. now your middle child Mm -hmm. forget what grade you said that he was he
1: is wrapping up um first grade first grade And he went to school now we chose a charter school that opened up that I had hoped both of them would go to and we lasted five days. So when I say I fought this, I have fought this Um, before I pulled him and just knew for my oldest, like this would never be a fit, but my middle has thrived there. Um, But however, we are still wrestling with going all in as a family in homeschool and I, I haven't fully made that decision for him yet, but um, it's on the table. But it, I needed, for my personality, I needed as simple as possible because it was hard. So these two years, it's just now that I would consider bringing my other one home because he it, it could not have been, honestly, until maybe now.
0: That's really interesting too, because I have thought, well, if I ever did this, I, I would, I I don't, I I thought I would have to do all the kids kind of at once where I think Mm -hmm. that my, my daughter actually, I mean, she loves, she loves being a people pleaser. Someone said Mm -hmm. to me recently, my daughter is a mini version of me and um, wants to make everybody happy, you know, Mm -hmm. hands folded, listening to the teacher doing her very best. And she loves school, Mm -hmm. but somebody recently said to me, what if? Because I said, well, I don't know that she'd ever want to, to be homeschooled because she she mm-hmm. loves making her teacher happy. And somebody said, well, what if she didn't have to do that? What if she didn't have to try to make her teacher happy? Yeah. And she didn't have to mm-hmm. be a people pleaser. And she could just be. And my mind was blown. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Why do we assume that compliance from from children, those who do comply? Why do we assume that they like that, that that feels mm-hmm. good? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, it makes me question everything. <laughs> like everything mm-hmm. I've ever known about child development and education and everything, all of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's hard, it's, it's sad, there's, there's grief in it.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website ontheharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at OnTheHardDays with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, OnTheHardDays Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.